Welcome to a, another edition of our Thursday night class. Tonight we're studying Parashat Vayeshev. Also keeping in mind that uh, we have the holiday of Hanukkah this Sunday night. I assume that there must be uh, connections between these parashiyot, Vayeshev, Miketz, and Hanukkah, being that they always fall out around Hanukkah time, although there's nothing, you know, explicit in the Perashah that talks about Hanukkah necessarily, but maybe over the course of the uh, Shi'ur we may be able to find some allusions. But the first business uh, of the night is the Perashah Tashavuah. That's our uh, <coughs> that's our main uh, objective. So this is the sequel of last week's Perashah. Yaakov survives Esav. He has a situation with Dina. Finally, after 22 years, he makes it back home, safe and sound. He makes it back to Kenan. Now the Torah says, And these are the Toledot of Yaakov. Toledot, I'm assuming Toledot means the children. Because when we read Parashat Noah, and then the Torah subsequently tells me the children of Noah. Toledot are the offspring. So the Torah comes and tells us, Toledot Yaakov. If you want to know the Toledot of Yaakov, Yosef. That's a problem. Because as far as we're concerned, uh, at this point, already uh, Yaakov Abinu has his children. He has 11 children. Uh, he has uh, the Shivatim born, basically. So therefore, how do you come and tell me, Ele Toledot Yaakov, Yosef? What happened to the other Shevatim? How does Yosef become the only child of Yaakov? Now you're going to tell me it was his favorite. I understand that. But to make the others invisible, it's one thing to give them a ketore pasim, but to disregard them completely. And when you ask Yaakov, who are your Toledot? And uh, he says, uh, Yosef. And it doesn't even make sense because Toledot is plural. So how could Toledot Yaakov be singular, Yosef? So we got a problem over here. But we also have a solution to the problem, and that's reading Rashi. So Rashi comes along and says, Umidrash Agada Doresh, the Midrash is Doresh as Pasuk, Talaha Katuv Toledot Yaakov be Yosef. The Torah is coming to tell us that uh, it's because of Yosef that Yaakov Abinu has other children. What was Yaakov Abinu's main objective when he went to Lavan's house? To marry Rachel. And the plan would have been in Yaakov's mind, marry Rachel, have Yosef, and we call it a day. But, what happened was there was the switch and she, he ended up marrying Leah. And then he would have to work another seven years for Rahel, but in the interim, Leah would have four children. Now those four children are only born because Yaakov is trying to marry Rahel and have Yosef. So therefore, he gets the credit for those four. Well, after those four were born, Rahel says, well, if you're not having children from me, why don't I give you my maidservant? So she gives uh, Yaakov Bilha. Bilha has another two. So that's six. And then uh, Leah says, well, if you're taking Bilha, so I'll give you Zilpah, 
and then they have another two, so that's eight. And then we have the story of the Dudaim, where the Uven takes the, uh, gives the Dudaim to Rachel, and then the Ass says, hey, you're taking the Dudaim, uh, you're not gonna pay for it, you have to give me something for it. Okay, take my husband, and then you get Yisachar Zivulun. So, and then Yosef is born. But all these children are born because Yaakov is trying to have a child from Rachel, but in the interim, all this other stuff is happening. And therefore, and, and, and as we know it, because once Yosef was born, what does Yaakov say? Let's get out of here. We're done. I did my job. Let's pack up and leave. So therefore the Pasuk is saying, according to Rashi, Ele Toledot Yaakov Yosef. The offspring of Yaakov can be credited to Yosef, because that was the original objective that he was trying to accomplish. And uh, well, ten other kids came in between, but that's only because Yosef was delayed, but ultimately it was because of Yosef. So that's the way that she is answering the question of uh, Toledot. However, Rashi then comes and gives us another interpretation of the word Toledot, and it doesn't mean offspring. Toledot can mean events, uh, <coughs> episodes. So the Torah would be saying like this, Ele Toledot Yaakov Yosef that Yaakov and Yosef share similar lives. They went through similar situations. And as she gives us the classic example, both had uh, acrimonious relations with their siblings, and both were forced to uh, be uh, banished from the home. Yosef, with the brothers, ended up in Mitzrayim. Yaakov and his brother Esav, Ended up by Laban. So there's a similarity. So, Ele Toledot Yaakov, Yosef. The Toledot that uh, Yaakov uh, endured, Yosef also shared. That would be another interpretation. However, I would like to say uh, a novel interpretation of what does it mean, Ele Toledot Yaakov, Yosef. We find something uh, very unique about Yosef as Sadiq that we don't find about uh, regarding the other Shabbatim. At the end of the book of Vayeshev, you'll see the Pasuk will say, <clears throat> the last Pasuk in Vayechi, I should say, the last Pasuk in the, in the Sefer, Vayamot Yosef bin Me'av Esr Shanim, and Yosef dies at 110, and they embalmed him. So, Yosef Asadik dies at the end of Bereshit. Go to the next parasha, Shemot. The Pasuk repeats again, Yosef died. Now, how many times did Yosef die? I'm assuming he only died once. Uh, so then why does the Torah have to write and chronicle his death twice? Once at the end of Bereshit and once at the beginning of Shemot. This is very, very uh, uh, important observation. No other one of the Avot or the Shevatim does it do that. By Avraham it says he died once. By Yitzhak and Yaakov they died once. By the Shevatim, and that's it. Yosef gets honorable mention twice. He dies at the end of Bereshit and he dies at the end of, in the beginning of Shemot. What's the Pshat? So the Maharal says a big Hadushia. And he says, we all know the rule 
That we learned when we were young from the Ramban, Ma'aseh Siman Banim. And that teaches us that the lives of the Avot were so uh, intense that they did not have ramifications on themselves, but they had actually consequence on the future of Jewish history. <clears throat> that means their life that they lived in a micro had ramifications in the macro. Avraham uh, Avinu, if it happened to him, stick around, it's going to happen to us. It had national consequence on Klaus. And that's a very important way how to learn Sifat Bereshit. You always have to learn it with two frames in front of you. First you have to say what happened to them, and then you have to figure out, well, when did this happen to us? So you always have to draw a line from the Ma'aseh Avot uh, to the Bani. The Maharal comes along and says a tremendous Hadush that Yosef Sadiq actually also has the power of Ma'aseh Avot Siman Labanim, even though technically he's not one of the Avot, but he's, he's, he's the, he's the part B of Yaakov. And if we learn the Pasuk, Ele Toledot Yaakov Yosef, as if you put a hyphen between Yaakov and Yosef, and you say, it's not Yaakov, it's Yaakov Yosef. And therefore, whatever uh, toledot, whatever consequence Yaakov can create in his actions, from Ma'aseh Abot clearly the actions of Yaakov will create toledot, they'll create repercussion. The same repercussion that Yaakov creates, Ele toledot Yaakov Yosef. Yosef also has the same toledot, has the same repercussions in the principle of Ma'aseh Abot Siman Labanim, which is, which is incredible. And based on this, he goes on to say, Rabbi Hutna Alavashon brings us down in the Sefer, that Sefer Bereshit is Ma'aseavot. That's where we read the DNA of Jewish history. And Sefer Shemot is the um, uh, Siman Labanim. That's when it starts to come out in, the, in, in us. And therefore, the Avot are mentioned, their lives and their death in Sefer Bereshit. Well, since Yosef also was considered in that respect, in Av, so his death is mentioned in Bereshit, because he's part of Maaseh Bereshit, he's part of the book of Bereshit. But Yosef says the Maharal is a hybrid, because he also is a, he also is a Ben. I mean, he, 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 he goes both ways. So therefore, in Shemot, when you're talking about the Banim, and you're talking about the death of the tribes, well, now you have to mention the death of Yosef, not as an Av, but now it's Vayamut Yosef v'cholechav. So therefore, it's, it's, the, it's the same Yosef dying, but two parts of Yosef that are uh, dying. In, 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 in Bereshit, it's Yosef in the Behina, in the element of father that has the ability to create the future of Jewish history. Vayamut Yosef. And that's why the Pasuk in, in, um, in, 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 Vaye, in, in the end of Vayichi does not mention the brothers. The Pasuk just mentions Vayamot uh, Yosef. Whereas in Shemot, Vayamot Yosef Echolehav. Because there already he's Bechina of a, of a Ben. And that's why if you remember when Yaakov Abinu blesses his son Yosef before he dies. He says, my dear son, you are Ro'eh Even Yisrael. He refers to him as Even. And the simple explanation they tell us is because there was a risk that the stone that represented Yosef on the breastplate, might have been removed if he would have committed the sin with Eshet Potiphar. And Yaakov Abinu says, you overcame your desire, you didn't succumb to temptation, 
your rock will be uh, uh, fixed on the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol. That's the simple explanation that she says. Then that she says that the reason why he called the son an Evan is because if you take the first two letters of Evan, what does it spell? Av. And if you take the last two letters of Evan, what does it spell? Ben. And therefore he was telling his son Yosef, oh, you're different than all the other tribes. You're the Evan. You're the Av and you're the Ben. Yaakov, Yosef. You have the, you have the best of both worlds. And if you think about it, don't get this question wrong. I'm going to ask a question, answer it right. The question I'm going to pose to our members, name the personality in Tanakh that had Shivatim. I'll give you a hint. It was not Abraham. Abraham did not have any Shivatim, and Yitzchak did not have Shivatim. Name the personality that had Shivatim. See that? You think it's a trick question. It's not a trick question. Yaakov had the Shivatim. However, what you didn't know is Yosef also had Shivatim. Yosef also has Shivatim. That means Benashen Ephraim are just as uh, uh, significant as Reuven and Shimon. Which is, again, you see Yosef was in a different league. Yosef is like Yaakov in that sense. They, they both produce Shivatim, which is, uh, it's, that's an av. That's, the Shivatim don't produce uh, Shivatim. The Shivatim produce you know, G3, G4, but they're not producing you know, G2. But uh, Yaakov Abinu and Yosef are able to produce the same level Shivatim. So that shows you the power of Yosef. And just to add the, uh, some, some seasonings, Abraham Abinu Alav Shalom establishes the tefillah of Shaharit. That's why the second letter of his name is a bet, which stands for Boker, which is the morning prayer. And Yitzhak establishes tefillah Mincha. That's why the second letter of his name is a tzadi, which is Sahorayim, which is the afternoon. And Yaakov Abinu establishes tefillah Arbit. The second letter of his name is Ayin, which is Erev. Oh, and what about Yosef? The Zohar Kadosh writes, Yosef tiken tefillah Musaf. So therefore they also have that commonality between them that he's doing whatever the Avot do. You know, when Avot make tefillot, Yosef's got his own tefillah, the, uh, Yaakov makes shivatim, he also makes shivatim, and he also is going to make Jewish history, just like the uh, shivatim, or just like the Avot are able to do. So therefore we learn the Pasuk now, Elle toledot Yaakov Yosef, the same toledot, the same repercussion, that Yaakov is able to do and have his mark on Jewish history, Yosef is in the same, in the same boat. I'll just give you an example. This is an example so we can, we have a, uh, a starting point. <clears throat> we were slaves to Paron. I know it's not Pesach. I'm, I know it's Hanukkah coming up, but I'm the moderator and I'd like to talk about Pass out for a few minutes because I think it'll make my point uh, in an easy way. So that's 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 siman uh, uh, That's what happened to us. Now we have to figure out, like uh, investigators, hold it. Where, where's the maase avot on that? Now we we have a, we have a work cut out for us because we have to find the situation where an Av went down to Mitzrayim and became an Eved. Well, I found it almost, because I know Avraham went down to Mitzrayim, but he didn't become an Eved. So you got to scratch that one. Now, I know Yaakov was an Eved, but that was in Haram. So that's, I mean, if you want, let's want to put Avraham and Yaakov together, 
and we can create a ma'aseh avot, take Abraham's visit to Egypt, and take Yaakov's avdut, and we'll just, you know, fuse them two together, and then we can make like a hybrid ma'aseh avot. Yitzchak, he's out because he never left Eretz Israel, so, and he was never in Ebed, so he's not the one. But then, we have a pasuk, when it's referring to Mitzrayim, the pasuk says, Vezacharta. And you better remember, Ki Eved Hayita B'Mitzrayim. Eved? What happened to Abadim? We were not Eved, there was not one Eved in Mitzrayim. It should say, Vezacharta, or Uskartem, Ki Abadim Hayita B'Mitzrayim. Vezacharta, Ki Eved Hayita B'Mitzrayim. So the Torah is coming to tell us, well, it started with one Eved that went down to Mitzrayim, and as a result of the Eved, that's Ma'aseh Avot, it turned into Avadim. And who was the Eved that went down to Mitzrayim and was a slave? It's only one. Yosef. Wait, but he's not. He is. According to the Maral, he's in. El Toledot Yaakov, Yosef. And exactly what happened. He went down to Mitzrayim, and uh, he becomes Eved, the Sarat it's clearly, clearly in the Basuk. And if he becomes an Eved, that means we're going to have to become Abadim in Mitzrayim. So Yosef already is creating that element of Jewish history. Vayotzi'enu. Well, Vayotzi'enu is going to happen as well. Because Yosef was put into prison, and he's there for however many years, more than a decade, and all of a sudden, Vayotzi'enu, he has Harut. And the day that he gets redeemed is very significant. Rosh Hashanah. And the Gemara says that what was the day that Paro freed the people, didn't let them go, but the Avodah stopped in Mitzrayim, Rosh Hashanah. So technically we got our papers on the same day that Yosef got his papers on Rosh Hashanah. So he's creating not only the Ma'asavot of Avadim Ainu, but he's creating the Ma'asavot of and he went from rags to riches. I mean, he was in the prison, when they're giving him prison, and before you know it, he has Revida Zahav on his, on his shoulders, they're putting him on a chariot, they're calling him Mishneh uh, Lamelech, and he becomes second to Paro, the wealthiest man. So therefore he creates the Ma'aseh Avot of, not only that we left, but how we left. So this is an incredible, incredible to see how Yosef has his influence on on Mitzrayim and on the uh, the Avdut. Now, I'll just take it one step further. Again, knowing that it's not Pesach, but I'm just using this as an example because it's the most the most obvious. So now, what happens? What happens is we go to Lel Seder. And they'll say that we were commemorating leaving Egypt. They tell you you should take four cups of wine. I have no problem with that. And they told us in first grade, what are you taking four cups of wine for? I mean, we never take four cups of wine. I mean, I mean some people take more than that, but I'm saying from the halachic, uh, mandatory, kiddush. And then maybe a cost from the katamazon if you're a tzaddik. But to have four cups of wine that are mandatory? So the rabbis told us, yeah, there's four languages of geulah. Because the four and the we have to make a, a, a toast to each term 
of the redemption. I don't have a problem with that. But they didn't tell us in school what the Yerushalmi says. The Yerushalmi has a different approach while we drink four kosot, and it comes from Parashat Vayeshev. So uh, I'm not out of line if I'm talking about this, because it's in the Parashah. Ask somebody in the street, where in Parashat Vayeshev is there a remez to the Arba Kosot? It's right at the end. Yosef is in prison, and uh, the butler and the baker, exactly, the butler and the baker, the Sarah Mashkim, the, uh, the beverage manager. So he has a dream, and he's all depressed, and the Yosef says, well, just tell me the dream, I, 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 I can interpret it. So the pasuk comes along and says, Bahalomi in my dream, there was a vine in front of me. And there was three branches coming out of the gefen. started to bud. All of a sudden the grapes came out, they ripened immediately. Says the Yerushalmi, that's the first kos. It says the word kos in the Sarah Mashkim's dream. From there we learn you have to drink one kos. And I took the grapes. And I squeezed them. There you go. There's the second kos. And I gave the kos to paro. That's the third kos. Yosef says, oh, let me give you the interpretation. The three branches is three days. And in three days from now, you're going to be reinstated back to your position. And you're going to give the cause to Paro. So the Yerushalmi says, you see, it says four times cause in the dream of the Sarah Mashkim. And that's why we drink four Kosor on Pesach. And I'm asking, what's going on over here? What in the world connection did you find? I mean, it's very, very clever that Yerushalmi found the word kos four times in the perashah. That's unbelievable stuff. But to tell me that because in a dream of the Sarah Mashkim we see four kosot, how should that have any bearing to what we do on Lel Seder? And I, by the way, I rendered to say if you would get up on Lel Seder and say, I'm going to give you not a reason why we drink the four kosot, because of the four kosot of the Sarah Mashkim, they'll tell you, and I think you drank the four kosot already, by the way. I think, I think you started before the Seder already. You're, you're, you're on course number five, it sounds like. What, 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 kind of, what kind of story is that? But it's the Yerushalmi. What's the pshat? Based on the Mahara, we understand it. Because since on Lel Seder, we're not only discussing the event that took place in Yetiat Mitzrayim, but we're looking for the origin of the event. We're looking for the DNA of Yitziat Mitzrayim. When did it happen in Ma'aseh Avot? And you know when Yitziat Mitzrayim happened in Ma'aseh Avot? When Yosef was let out of jail. That's already the original Yitziat Mitzrayim in Ma'aseh. And how did that happen? That happened with a dream of the son of Mashkim that Yosef interpreted that had four kosot in it. And therefore the four kosot actually take us back to the roots of Yitziat Mitzrayim, which is in the prison. So that's already very, 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 very important to understand. And uh, I might add, I might add, there was another dream. The Sarah Ophim, uh, the baker, and he got that one right also. 
Now, the baker dreamt that he has three baskets of baked goods, you know, three loaves of bread, let's say, on his head, and the birds came. And uh, I'd like to point out that it's quite possible to say that although on every Shabbat and on every Yom Tov we always have two breads on the table, but one night a year we have three breads on the table, and that's Lil Seder. And therefore, just like the four kosot is a remez to the dream of the Sarah Mashkim, the three loaves could be a remez to the Sarah Ofim. And therefore, when, when, when you see that imagery on the table, four kosot, three loaves, hey, there's the dreams right in front of us. Why are you, Daddy, why are you remembering this tonight? Because that's where it all started. If it didn't happen by Yosef, it was never going to happen, was never going to happen by us. And, and that's why, incidentally, it explains to us that on the way out of Mitzrayim, what was the big, uh, 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 the big action, the big, uh, uh tumult that Moshe Rabbeinu was involved in? Everybody else was taking the money. And what was Moshe Rabbeinu doing? Moshe Rabbeinu was recovering the bones of Yosef. And you come along and you say, well, Moshe Rabbeinu, when did he become part of the Havra Kadisha? You couldn't, uh, 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 nominate somebody else, but Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the official Goel, he's the real-time Goel. But he knows that whatever he did was only because Yosef experienced it years before. And if we look at the imagery, on the way out, you have Moshe carrying the coffin of Yosef, which is perfect. You have the Ma'ase Avot, Siman Banim, all in one, uh, in one screenshot. You have it all happening in, in one, uh, in one image, Moshe Yosef, which is both, uh, uh, the, the roots of Yitzhak Mitzrayim and the actual manifestation of it, uh, by Moshe and Benazir. So that's a, a perfect example, I believe, uh, of, um, Ma'asevotsiman Lebani. The problem is, does nothing for us for Hanukkah. <coughs> I mean, this would be a great tirash if Sunday night was Pesach. And you're all ready to give some goods at the Seder. Now, you're in trouble because Pesach's not till April, and this is going to be out of your heads already, and it'll be vague when you get to the Seder. I know he said something about the full course. Oh, I was a great item. I, where am I going to... And the last place you're going to think to see something on Pesach is go to the tape on Parashat Bayeshev. So it, it, you really... Uh, you better mark it down now in your, in your notes. You know, go back to Parashat Bayeshev before Pesach to get the goods. But I know our members did not come to hear about Chidushim for Lil Seder. They came to hear about, uh, about Hanukkah, Shiavu'alin Litovah. Now it's not so easy, but the Megaleh Amukot, one of the great rabbis, also Kabbalist, don't ask me from where, but he saw a lot of connection between Yosef not only being the Ma'aseh Avot Siman Labanim for Pesach, but he saw Yosef being the Ma'aseh Avot Siman Labanim for Hanukkah as well. You, you talk about, a second ago we didn't even know he had that power, now all of a sudden he's, he's got two holidays under his belt. And he comes along and he says, Remazim, these are only Remazim. He's Antiochus, who is the king of uh, Yavan. And to Yochus, there's the same numerical value as Yosef. 
as if to say, uh, these are the two, the two sides, the side of Kiddushah as Yosef, and the side of Tumah as Antiochus, Melech Yavan, Gematria Yosef as well. And he says, and that's why you always will read Parashat Vayeshev, right around Hanukkah, I mean, even if you don't have your calendar. And you land from Mars, and you come down to earth, and you come to Shul Shabbat, you have no idea what time of year it is. And you hear the Hazan start talking about, Vayeshev Yaakov, Vayeshev Yaakov, that means get the menorah, prepare the menorah, Hanukkah is right around the corner. So he says, for good reason, because Yosef actually is the story of Hanukkah. How? So let's analyze it. The miracle in the story of Hanukkah is different than all holidays that we have. This is a holiday that has two elements that no other holiday has. All other holidays that we celebrate a victory is a victory that we went from uh, almost physical extermination and death to life. Purim and Pesach would be a perfect example. Those two villains tried to annihilate us. They didn't succeed. That's what we say in the Haggadah. That's what happened in those holidays. In this holiday, we were not necessarily in mortal danger. Yivanim had no intention to kill us. Their intention was more to assimilate us and to rid us from Jewish values and to introduce into the Jewish home secular Greek values which were uh, all about the body, all about desire, uh, immodesty, uh, all about physicality, nothing metaphysical. They didn't believe in metaphysical. They only believed in physical, only things that you could see, things you could taste, things you could feel, only things that are uh, 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 are in the, in the present. They didn't believe in anything that was esoteric or anything that is, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, non-rational. This is... What Yavan tried to introduce, so they were going after the Jewish brain, as we say in the Adonim Torah. It was an assault against the Torah. Oh. And the, what was the challenge that, that we had? The challenge to us was to fight against this uh, opposing uh, ideology. So it's, it's us against them on a philosophical fight. But there's something else about Hanukkah. It wasn't only us against them, the bigger fight was us against us. Because if you know the history, 99% of the people became Hellenists. And the Hellenists, the Mityabdim, are Jewish. And they went hook, line, and sinker, and they bought into the Greek philosophy, and they bought into the woke of the time. And then that's it. They got their uh, politically correct uh, newspaper from the Yavanim, telling them what they're allowed to say, and what gender you are, and all that nonsense that they bought into. And that's the way they were feeling that you have to, you know, go, go with the times and you have to advance yourself. Society has to evolve and get, you know, more sophisticated as we... They, or, or, or they fell into that. And now you have the Jewish people trying to fight the Mityavdim. So it was a... This was a war against brothers as well. And the first war of brothers, of course, we have is in Parashat Bayeshev, where we start to see the first type of war between Yosef and the brothers, which already has a, a, a tinge of what would happen in Hanukkah. Now watch. Torah comes along and says, Torah comes along and says, Yaakov loved Yosef. He loved him. You know why he loved him? He's a ben zekunim. The simple interpretation of ben zekunim is, he had him when he was uh, old, and usually parents like the youngest. Either because 
they keep them company uh, because they take care of them in their old age. Different reasons why the youngest gets the benefit, and that's a simple interpretation. Targum explains Ben Zikunim, Bar Hakim Hule. It was Bar Hakim. Yosef uh, was a brilliant uh, Torah scholar. And uh, the Hakamim tell us that actually Yaakov Abinu was able to teach Yosef all the Torah that he learned in Yeshivat Ever, he gave over to Yosef, which I, which I find to be incredible because he only learns with him until he's 17 years old. After that, he's gone. So, I mean, the fact that Yaakov is able to teach Yosef all that Torah in such a short amount of time, I mean, I find that, I mean, he really was Bar Hakim. Although I did see a beautiful opinion of the Meir Ene Hakamim, the Rav from Ostrovcha says a beautiful pshat in this. He says, wait, I don't understand something. Yaakov Avinu, on the way down to Lavan's house, he already had 63 years of learning in his uh, in his pocket, as you know. Now he's going to go get married. And what does he do? He makes a pit stop. And where was the pit stop? In Yeshivat Ever. And how long does he stop in Yeshivat Ever for? For 14 years. I mean, that's a that's a long uh, 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 zman. 14 years after 63 years of learning. And uh, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says, what does he need that learning for? He needed to prepare himself because he knew the 63 years that he was learning in, in, in Yitzhak's house, that's, you know, you're learning Torah in a hermetically sealed environment. That's, that's, uh, that's one type of Torah. But now he needs a Torah to inoculate him against the uh, uh, environment that he's going to experience in Laban's house. So it was a different learning. And he went to Yeshivat Ever and Shem and because they knew uh, what it means to live in the generation of the flood. They, they had a uh, you know, good experience of living with... Uh, you know, with bad people. So he would learn for 14 years. And says the Me'id in the it was that Torah that he gave over to Yosef. Not the 63 years. The 14 years that he learned in Shem Bebe before he went out, Hashem put it in his brain almost as if saying, you're going to need what I needed. And the Toledot Yaakov Yosef, just like I was a strange and had to live in a foreign, bad environment and survive it, and the only reason why I survived because I had the 14 years of Torah, you're going to need these 14 years. And when did we start teaching our children? At what age? At three. So therefore, at three, he started to teach him for 14 years. Think over yourself. At 17, he graduated. He got all the 14 years, and he was inoculated, and he was immunized in order to uh, uh, survive what took place in... Mitzrayim. So they share that same, that same story. Now that's very significant. I saw, uh, this week, the great rabbi to be Yaakov Abu Hasera. This is a, a classic sefer, Mahsofa Laban. If you could understand it. This one was, uh, you know, outside of the realm of Kabbalah, so it's understood, understandable. He has a question on, on Yaakov Abinu. Yaakov Abinu is called, incidentally, Bihir Shiva Avot. He's the, the choice of the Avot. He says, well, choice of the Avot? What makes him the choice of the Avot? Avraham, I understand. I mean, he's, he's something. Because he jumped into a fire. I mean, he was willing to die. Hashem, they were going after him. He was willing to give his life on Kiddush Hashem. Yitzhak? Hak also put his neck out, willing to die al-Kiddush Hashem. 
And he says, Yaakov, Bechir Shavavot, you have no mention, and nowhere where he was Moser Nefesh, and he was willing to die. So therefore, how does Yaakov not have that element on his resume? What he answers. He says, what are you talking about? He had the hardest test. Abraham jumped into the fire. How long did that last? Not one second? Okay, we'll give it to you. Three days? I mean, the actual knife to his neck. How long did that last? Well, I'm not minimizing it. One second? But what does it say? about Lavan that he tried to do to Yaakov, Arami Oved. Which tense is Oved? Present. That means every single day, Lavan's intention was to kill, not physically kill, says Rabbi Yaakov but to assimilate Yaakov into Lavan ideology. And he had him captive. He has to eat at his table, eat his bread, drink his wine. His father is stuck there. He can't go nowhere. So Lavan for 22 years is trying every trick in the book. Giving the kids iPhones, giving them TVs, giving them tickets to the ball games, whatever trick he has. It's in order to draw them into this culture. And Yaakov Avinu, was, they were throwing him into the spiritual fire, not once. Every day for 22 years. That is greater than what the other ones went through. He had misinut nefesh not to let the temptation of Lavan enter. So he knew exactly how to live in a hostile environment with them, but not only not get affected, but Yaakov actually comes out on a higher level. It's one thing to remain pav. It's one thing to remain you know, neutral. He didn't remain neutral. Yaakov Abinu elevated himself in the house of uh, Lavan. And it was that that he taught Yosef. Because whatever situation Yaakov was in, <laughs> Yosef would be in a much worse situation. For the simple reason. Yaakov already was an old man. Yaakov already had four wives. Right? <laughs> and Yaakov is Yaakov. But now take Yosef and you're going to have him, 17-year-old, no wife, in Mitzrayim, where there's no Chabad there yet. Chabad didn't get to Mitzrayim at that time. So there's no kosher food, there's no mikveh, there's no nothing. And now what? The most handsome guy. Exactly. And Mitzrayim is decadent at the time. Mitzrayim is the lowest place, Tu'avat Mitzrayim. It's called, the, the place is nicknamed Tu'avat Mitzrayim for, for good reason. And Yosef's there. And the Torah comes and says, he's Ben Zikuni. There's a rabbi called the Rokayah. The Rokayah says, well, if you look at the word Zikunim, the way the Torah spells it, it spells it without a Vav. It should spell Ziku. There should be a Vav after the Kof. But there's no Vav. It's, it, we don't have the Kodot in the Torah, so I mean, if the, if the, if the Baal Koreh makes a mistake and says, Ben Zikanim, you can't yell at him because... I mean, there's no vav, it's an easy mistake. You can yell at him because he should have practiced, but it's, it's a mistake that you could make. But says the Sefer Arokeah, you know why I called them Ben Zikunim without a vav? Because Zikunim without a vav stands for Zayin Kanim. 
You know what Zayin Kanim are? The seven sticks of the menorah are called Zayin Kanim. Yosef had the wisdom of the menorah. The menorah represents Chokhmah. And therefore Yosef was Sholet. He had dominance over the seven knowledges. If a person wants to become wise, let him face the menorah. Yosef was, was, was a walking menorah. He was Zayin Kanim. And the brothers took the menorah, the Torah, and they sent it down to the most perverse place. That's Hanukkah, where you have the Torah and you have our values, and now you have to put it in a place where they're going to challenge it, and they're going to question it, and they're going to try to dilute it, and the challenge is going to be to remain loyal to the tradition. This is exactly the fight that takes place between Yavan and Hasmonaim. Hasmonaim and the Bit Yavnim. It all starts with the Maaseh Avot of how Yosef's going to do. If Yosef is able to fare well in Mitzrayim and remain, and the Menorah will remain pure, the Zayin Kanim, we have a chance to survive Hanukkah. What is Yosef's method? Let's open up to see how he survived. Torah comes and says in this week's Perashah, Reading a little further. He gets a job. He gets a job for uh, Potiphar. I mean, Lamitet Gima. Vayar Adonav ki Adonai ito. Bechol asher Adonai matzliach biyado. So Potiphar sees that God is with Yosef. Now, what did he see? How did he see exactly? He saw him praying shaharit, he saw him put on the benutam tefillin. How does he know that God's with him? So that she answers the question, that she says, Shem shamayim shagur befiv. Yosef always has the name of God on the tip of his tongue. I always understood this, Ashi. Everything that Potiphar asks Yosef, Be'ezat Hashem. Yosef, could you go get me a cup of coffee? It's always you know, one of those guys. Now, I, I, I think that's kind of strange that Yosef would uh, you know, broadcast uh, that in front of Potiphar, who was obviously an Oved Abu Dazara. And just because he's saying God's name, why does that prove that God is with him? I mean, God's on his tongue, but does that mean God is with him? So I noticed that the Mizrahi on this Nashi says a real deep interpretation to explain. He quotes the Midrash. Amar Avuna b'shem Rav Aha, Melachesh v'nichnas Melachesh v'yotze. He was Melachesh. Melachesh means he was murmuring under his breath. Yosef was always... And Potiphar's always noticing, what's this guy saying? Something's under his breath. Amar le Adonav. So Potiphar tells Yosef, Mezog lotchim. Pour me hot water. Now he has the urn in his hand, the kettle. He pours it. What comes out? Hot water. Mizog poshri. I changed my mind. I want warm water. What does Yosef do? He pours it. All of a sudden, warm water. Vayu poshri. He said, I changed my mind. I want ice water. Mumble something. Ice water comes out. Amale Yosef. He tells him, Yosef, what are you bringing? You're bringing magic and voodoo to Egypt? 
We wrote the book on this stuff over. You're going to now teach us how to do trick. Every kid in the third grade knows that trick. You just you mentioned a couple of uh, names of Tum'an. You're able to make the water hot. What, what, what kind of business is over here? And then Yosef said, no, no, I'm not doing no voodoo over here. We're not allowed to do voodoo. I'm mentioning Hashem's name. And all of a sudden, a light, says the Midrash, came onto Yosef. So bright was the light that came on Yosef that Potiphar was able to see it. Vayar Adonav. He was able to see it. I mean, this is something that means the Kedushav Yosef was so strong in Mitzrayim that it became evident, like a bright light that was, he was able to see it. And basically, it was that light that was repelling all the influences of Potiphar, of Eshet Potiphar, of Mitzrayim, because Shem Shamayim Shagur Befiv, all day long, murmuring under his breath. And that explains uh, when the, what do you think, the, the Greeks don't know this trick? If they're trying to break the connection between us and God, the first thing they got to break is that you're not allowed to mention Hashem's name. Because if Yosef survives Mitzrayim, it's because Shem Shamayim Shagur Befiv. So I found the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, page 18. Gemara says an amazing story here. It says, Amar of Yosef. Gazra Malchut Yavan Gezera. The Greeks made a Gezera. Shelo lahaskir shem shamayim al pihem. You believe it? They made a law that you're not allowed to mention Hashem's name. Everybody knows with the Greeks, they took away Rosh Chodesh, they took away Shabbat, they took away Brit Milah. We all know that. But the Gemara is saying there was a law you can't say Hashem's name. Because they knew that if you're going to say Hashem's name, then already you remain connected and inoculated. Shem Shamayim Shagun Befid, Bayad, it becomes evident. So what happened? When the Hashmonaim beat the Greeks, they made a new takana that not only are you going to mention Hashem's name, but anytime you write a legal document, you put Hashem's name on the top. And for example, the Gemara says, in the year so and so, the Yohanan Kohen Gadol Le'el Alyon. They would say, Yohanan, the high priest, to the high God. So you see, the Greeks knew exactly how to create a breach and to allow the Hashkafot uh, and their philosophy to penetrate, remove Hashem from the equation. And they even made another decree. And you heard of this decree. Right on the horn of the ox. We have no share in the helik of Israel. And the Baal Megaleh Amukor asks, we're not shocked that they want us to write, make a bumper sticker, and you know, put that on our refrigerators with the magnet, but to put it on a cadence of a shore? Where did they get that from? Who's the shore? Since 
they, whether they knew it or they didn't know it, but since Yosef is the origin of Hanukkah, and therefore he's the one that Shem Shamayim Shagur Befiv, and he's the one that's keeping the influence of Mitzrayim away. So therefore, go take that kid in a short and put in that way. So they're fighting it. But obvious. They weren't able to succeed. Yosef has that momentous day. As the Pasuk says, when Yosef goes into the, uh, to the day to do his work, and all of a sudden, Eshet Potiphar is trying to seduce him, and Yosef does not fall to assimilation. If he would have fell, it would have been over. It would have been over for Clias, Rav Hutna writes. Listen to what he says, it's amazing. In this each one of the Avot introduced a, another element into Klai Yisrael. What's Abraham's contribution? Abraham's contribution is that you don't have to be born Jewish to become Jewish. Abraham was a son of Terah. But what? He became Jewish. So that introduces, you can become Jewish from the outside. What's Yitzhak's contribution? Yitzhak's contribution, he's the first one to be born Jewish. And, that, and therefore that will create a Maaseh about that. That's another way of having Jews. You can be Jewish. However, from Yitzhak, Yitzhak has two sons. Yitzhak has Yaakov, and he has Esav. Now, Yaakov is the one that's chosen, and Esav is out. So that creates a concept that there could be the children of a Jew, <coughs> some will be in, some will be out. Until Yaakov is born, and Yaakov, all his children are in, no matter what. Once Yaakov Abinu is born, now he creates a concept, Yisrael, there's no out. Once you're born from Jewish parents, there's no out. So he creates that concept that is not, if, if it would have stopped from Yitzhak, we'd been in trouble. Because there's half of them in, half of them are out. But Yaakov guarantees if you come from Jewish parents, Klai Yisrael, once you're Jewish, you're always Jewish, you can't abdicate. But wait, there's still a way out. There's one way out. It's not a fully insured policy over here that Klai Yisrael would guarantee now that if you come from Jewish parents, you're good. Because what happens if a Jewish man goes with a Goya? Jewish man goes with a goya. There goes Klayus said, the child is a goy. Says Reb that's what Yosef came along to protect. Yosef is now faced with Eshet Potiphar. And if he goes with Eshet Potiphar, it's over for Klayus said. Because although the Avot were locking it up, if there's a breach in that area, that means Klayasel will assimilate in totality and Klayasel will be lost. The fact that Yosef is able to overcome Eshet Potiphar, that guarantees that there might be problems, but it will not be everybody. And that's exactly what happened in Hanukkah. The Mityavnim, the Ramban says, 99% of the people were there. 
only a cut, only kemat cut, a small moment that was almost, almost oblivion, spiritual oblivion. But where'd that come from? From Yosef. He guaranteed that Klai Yosef will not be lost through assimilation, even in America. I mean, it's 90%, they say. I mean, Baruch Hashem, in our community, we live in a bubble, so we don't even hear about it. That's because of Yosef. If Yosef wouldn't have overcome that temptation, it's not 90%, God forbid. You needed a ma'aseh avod, and that's the miracle. Oh. So basically Yosef, I mean, Hanukkah is Yosef's holiday. He's the one that already created the ma'aseh avod. Gemara asks, my Hanukkah, what's the Gemara's question? So there's a great rabbi called Levi Yitzhak Mabardichev. He wrote a sefer called Kedushat Levi. He asked, understands Gemara's question like this. Hanukkah is female. The hey at the end. If you tell me that the name of the holiday is because they rededicated the Mizbeah and the temple, it should be called Hinuch or Hanukh. But it's not called Hanukh. It's called Hanukkah. So the Gemara is asking, my Hanukkah, why is it called the female? Second question he asks, the Gemara writes in Shabbat on 22, my Hanukkah, so it's eight days, because when the Yivanim came to the Hechal, and they spoiled all the oils, and Malchut Hashmonai overpowered them, and they beat them, and they found the Pak Shemen, and Chotam Kohen Gadol, there was only enough for one night, the miracle lasted for eight days. Now watch. The Shana Aheret, next year, why next year? I mean, they saw the miracle. It happened now. They should have made an announcement, rabbinical council meeting, Rabotai, from here on in, every year at this time, we're going to make a holiday called Hanukkah. But that's not what happened. They made, they saw the miracle, and then they said, uh, we don't know yet. Let's wait till next year to see. What are you waiting for next year? What's going to happen next year? Any more that happened already. Why did they wait a year before they established it? The Shana Kaboom. Says the Rav. They weren't sure if it's following the formula of Jewish holidays. What's the formula of Jewish holidays? Jewish holidays are not merely commemorative. But we're just remembering something that happened a long time ago. It's cyclical. Which means... And Ramchal talks about this in Derech Hashem. Whatever happens at a certain time where a miracle happened to Klai Yisrael, when that time comes back on the calendar, the calendar uh, 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 lands on that same date, if it's a real holiday, the energies will return as well. It's almost as if you're living in a, in a time warp where we go back in time to that event and whatever spiritual advantages were available at the time of the original miracle, it repeats every single year. So it's not just like uh, some holiday, President's Day. There's no singular on President's Day that you have a better chance to become the President of the United States more than any other day. It's just uh, the day where there's no varsity bus and the post offices are closed. But it, when it comes to Jewish holidays, there's there's something in the in the air that has the same cohort as the original day. So it's not a regular day. Now, Hanukkah took place. 
And they saw, wow, what, 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 what miracles Hashem did for us. We were able to push back the Greeks. We were able to rededicate the Beit HaMikdash and by extension the Jewish home. We were able to push away all the Greek philosophy. What a koah Hashem gave us. The Shem and Zayin Zach represents the pure Torah, the menorah was reestablished. Zayin Kanim, everything is perfect. But they didn't know if they're going to get that feeling every year. The Shana, the next year, all of a sudden as Hanukkah was approaching, they started to feel the same energy. They started to, hey, anybody feel what, yes, Rabbi, it feels like last year. Everybody feels the same. Hot, we're going. The Shana, when they started to see that this was not a commemorative, but a cyclical event, now they said, this is something over here that's not like a male that doesn't produce. It's like a female that produces. And that's why they called it Hanukkah. Hanukkah is female to represent that the holiday every year reproduces. Just like Pesach. What does it say by Pesach? Lel shimurim hu Hashem hu halayla hazeh. Beginning of the Basuk calls the night of Pesach Lel. And then the end of the Basuk calls it Hu Halayla. How did it go from Lel to Layla? The year that Pesach happened, they thought it was a one-time event, Lel. But then they realized in the next year, this is not Lel, this is Layla. This is feminine. This is reproducing. Every year we got... And therefore the first year they thought, Hanukh. So then the Rebbe said, why did they call it Hanukkah? You know why they call it Hanukkah? Because Lishana, the next year, when they saw that it's happening again. And that's what we say when we light the menorah. And if there's any time in history that the philosophy of the Goyim are pervasive and have breached into the Jewish camp and into our homes and into our pockets and into our brains, it's this time. And therefore, Hanukkah is the time where we have to tap into these energies by lighting the menorah tehorah, the Zayin Kanim. When we read about Yosef, we get the energies of Yosef. And to Yogos Gematria Yosef, we get the Kohot of Yosef as a thing that was able to withstand the temptations. And the Pasuk says, Yosef He stayed Yosef, even though he was in Mitzrayim, which is a Miracle of miracles. And how did he do it? Shem shamayim shagul befiv. He had Hashem on his tongue. Exactly what the Greeks were trying to take away from us. He had the 14 years of Torah that he learned from. All these things are protective forces in order to not let, allow the philosophy to enter. Therefore, we like the Nerot by our homes. I'll conclude. I ask the question. We do everything to remember the miracle. So we use olive oil because they used olive oil. And uh, we light a menorah, because the miracle was in the menorah. And we're not allowed to benefit from the lights of the menorah, just like you're not allowed to benefit from the lights of the Beit HaMikdash. But then the only question I had is, well, then we should light it where they lit it, in the Beit HaMikdash, in the shul. We should make a, a thing, every 4.30, everybody come to shul, light the menorah. What are you doing? This is the closest we have to the Beit HaMikdash, it's the shul. So therefore... Just like we're trying to copy everything, the only thing we deviate is, well, we're doing it in the house. You know what the explanation must be? Because the Jewish home is an extension of the Beit HaMikdash. That is the Beit HaMikdash. The Jewish home is a place where the Shekhinah rests, no less than the, uh, 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 the, 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 the Beit HaMikdash. And therefore, we come to the Jewish home 
<coughs> which is our form of Beit HaMikdash, and we light these menorot by the window in order to push away the darkness from the outside, in order to preserve and lock and block our homes from what's going on. And that's the best time of year in order to pray for Siyatadishmaya for our children, that they don't get influenced by what's going on. Today it's a... It's, it's rampant. And therefore, Hanukkah for us, I would say, is the most significant holiday. And the energies that are going to come the next eight days, you won't have all year long. And therefore, we must tap into it, and we must benefit from it. And that's what we say, <laughs> But it's Hanukkah. It's like a lady. It reproduces. And therefore, whatever happened, is And all this is in the fabric of the Parashat HaShavuah. All this starts... With Yosef being sent down to Mitzrayim, the Zayin Kanim, the Menorah found itself in the most decadent place, and it's able to preserve its purity to Shem and Zayin Zach, and ultimately return unscathed.